Why choose 1 Kings chapter 3 of all texts when this is a holiday that we're celebrating moms nationally and we know that this is the Lord's Day. I'm well aware of that, brethren. Um, but it is the Lord's Day and in the Lord we, uh, we have scriptures that deal with sermons that we use on a weekly basis every week of the year. And what a timely fashion then that this week that I choose, and this is about maybe my third time since being here at Franklin, that I'm choosing to have a sermon dealing with women, with mothers in particular. But why this passage? You know, why not Proverbs 31, right? Of course, you've heard that a few times. Why not passages that deal with certain women that have outstanding character? And there's a number of them we could be using and have used. Lois. Eunice, we could look at um, the husband-wife duo with Priscilla and Aquila, and we could go on with other type of illustrations with women. But this is a passage I specifically chose for a number of reasons. I'm going to share with you why. There are countless mothers that are honored today for all their wonderful labors of love, for their sacrificing of their lives and the raising up of their children, many of whom are single mothers, many who behave in such a manner that people would look at them or maybe at you specifically as one of these Proverbs 31 women. But what about the rest of the moms? I was thinking this year as I was kind of going back through sermons, and I only had like three or four sermons that I can go back in the last 15 years that I dealt specifically with mothers from a Mother's Day vantage point, if you will. And they're all dealt with something along the lines of a Proverbs 31 woman. I thought, I'm missing a large segment of moms among whom may be like this, but may not think of themselves this way. Some of whom have never birthed children. Some of whom just haven't been married but are very motherly in many which ways. And so as I was thinking along these lines, I did my research from this standpoint, and lo and behold, there is a population of women that have cried out, some of whom have said, I dread coming to church on Mother's Day because I feel rejected, I feel unworthy, I feel, and then the list goes. And so I thought, there is a place for this sermon. And I thought, well, what passage of Scripture can I go to? Not necessarily where you individually would relate to, because I'm not sure of how many harlots we have here or ex-harlots that we have in our, our building, although the number may be growing. For those visiting, because we preach the gospel to those who are former prostitutes, <laughs> and some have turned to the Lord. And for that, this may ring true. The reason why I chose this passage is because these women are real women that lived. Real women who actually stood before a great king. A king who heard their, their plea. Women who had children out of wedlock, not unlike many women today, a number of whom 
come to become or come to be believers. I know of one particular sister in Christ that I love so very dearly, had her first child out of wedlock, and did everything she could to raise her daughters in the way of the Lord because she did not want them to go through what she went through. There's a number of reasons that we could give, but all moms, every one of them, even the Proverbs 31 mom, have made mistakes, have regrets, have committed sins, because we are told in Scripture all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so no matter how much your mom has hung the moon, Phil Barnes, Miss, <laughs> I know how much you love your mama. <laughs> But as sweet as Miss Evelyn is, she sinned against God. Believe it, Phil. <laughs> and every one of our moms has, as much as we love them. And I would venture to say, and I asked my wife for proof, are the things that, that you would say that you would regret as a mother? She said, yeah. Mistakes made as a mother, Absolutely. Sins committed as a mother, yes. And I know my wife is not the only one. I believe just about every mom would say the same thing. And so I wanted a passage that would kind of see the reality of the women that are in Scripture. Not only the women that shine bright, but the women who struggle through life. And so this is the passage that I've chosen. And also, because all people, not just moms, are sinners... We can relate to the points that I'm going to be sharing this morning. And so I want us to, to talk about these things. And so the point of all these is that, especially those that don't think that they measure up, to realize no such thing as a perfect mom, right? Sometimes all of our cards that we get at the store almost seems like our moms are perfect. And I think that's a very tainted view. In fact, it can have some backlash because we have some unrealistic expectations as if a mom could be perfect. Now, I think it's wonderful that we look at our moms with this perception. I think that's a beautiful relationship that it shows, that we would think so highly of our moms that way. But the reality is we know that none are perfect. And not only that, I've got to be honest, some of our moms at some times in their lives are not very lovable. That's reality. You may be this one going, that was me or that is me right now. Or I know moms that way. My mom was this way. But these are moms that can learn to love like Jesus and become that kind of a loving mother. And that's the point of what we're looking at this morning. And that there are women that aren't biological mothers. And one of the ones that comes to my mind right now that our elders asked to teach a class on motherhood and women is Miss Shirley Dark. She talks about her Asian children. She doesn't have a lick of Asian in her and Mr. Jim. <laughs> but they have their Asian nation of children that they, that they call their own. That they've helped through their lives and, and schooling and what have you. And they try to make all the events that they can for their children's children, so to speak. And it's a beautiful relationship. But we have a number of quote-unquote non-moms and you're not forgotten. Even on this particular day. We'll have some things to say about those about those things. But as far as those that know such perfect mom, I think we know that mentally, we know it academically, we can read scripture and know that we're not all perfect and we don't have perfect moms. 
But sometimes we need to dwell on it a little bit more, not for the sake of getting beaten down, but for a positive reason. I'm going to share with you in the next slide that positive reason. But the fact is that all of us, including our moms, have sinned against God, and some of our moms have had children out of wedlock. And, you know, there are things that I've shared with you openly about my sins, and there are things that I've not shared with you that I've only shared with God, that he knows my sins. And I keep it to myself. Sometimes, this is one of those sins that you don't share. I was 17 years old before I even, it even dawned on me, and it was only done so because it was verbally said to me, that I learned that my mother was born out of Whitlock. During the Second World War, my biological grandfather, Caucasian, my biological grandmother, Japanese, had my mother out of wedlock. They intended on marrying one another. The army shipped him away, and my grandmother never knew what had happened. I mean, he was gone. No clue. It wasn't till 50 years later that they actually saw each other, and he got to say, here's what had happened. He had written her many, many letters she received none of them. But it was very embarrassing for my grandparents, my Japanese grandfather and my Japanese grandmother, to, to have this child that they knew was born out of wedlock. And I can only imagine how it is for a number of mothers that come into the church building and they see all these beautiful families with what looks like a great family situation and they may feel uncomfortable unless we make them feel comfortable and to know that we have women like that we have women that have gone through abortion women who are not Christians women who have regrets about these abortions this is real stuff and as a result, on days like today that we celebrate and are so happy, we may forget some of these women. And some is a great large number, actually. Some, like the woman in 1 Kings chapter 3, who I believe accidentally, I don't think she purposely rolled over on her child, but accidentally have killed their children. And the remorse. Accidents happen. And it's days like today that these memories come flooding back with, with great pain. And yet, these are the women that we're talking about in 1 Kings chapter 3. Women that definitely could use some encouragement. But here's the reason for it. The good news is, Jesus died for these very same mothers as he has for the moms that we all love so dearly, that are so wonderful and and for everyone else, right? Jesus died for them. You see, while the passage in 1 Kings chapter 3 was primarily dealing contextually with the wisdom of Solomon administering justice, I mean, that's the primary context of this passage, there are nuggets of truth that we can read within the text. And those of you who seem discouraged when reading Proverbs 31, and I'm using this particular passage because one of the very first sermons I gave on a Mother's Day dealt with Proverbs 31, and what I, Mitch Davis, from a man's perspective, and not thinking about a woman's perspective at the time, this is happening about 
close to 15 years ago, one of the women who is now the elder's wife came up to me and said, I feel so beaten up. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. That was not the point of the sermon. But it was what she received. No matter how I delivered it, she received it that way. And that's what counted as far as I was concerned. And it got me really thinking since then about these sermons on Mother's Day along these lines. But you know, there are individuals that say, I can never live up to that woman in Proverbs 31. And if I were to ask you to raise your hand, a number of you women would raise your hand. I know for a fact. And yet, we know that the Proverbs 31 woman couldn't have done that thing in one day. <laughs> the things that she does is a display of this just perfect, virtuous wife over the course of her life and how she raised her children, and how she treats her neighbor, and how she um, administers justice. Beautiful picture of a woman. But don't beat yourself up if you're not there. While I would ask you to strive to always be a better mother, don't beat yourself up over that. Jesus died for you because you're not the Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> Even the Proverbs 31 woman would need a savior. But I also want you to know that if you just can be the very best that you can starting from now, if you've not been the kind of mother that you needed to be, you can start now. I can imagine what it was like for that woman to have nearly lost her child and to probably cherish that relationship as a result. This is a woman who had this child out of wedlock and nearly lost that child. The love that she has is amazing. And we'll, we'll talk about her in just a bit again. The second thing is, I believe that some moms have not yet learned the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God. When we look at the world that we live in, it's a very dark world. And where I was brought up, it was not the kind of love that I see taught in Scripture. The kind of love that I grew up from the people that, that I would listen to in life was, you know, if he scratches your back, you scratch theirs. Or if you scratch theirs, then they should scratch yours. And that's the way it was. I mean, when you become um, an educator in Hawaii, it's who knows who. I don't think Tennessee is very different than Hawaii. <laughs> and how you get further in, in your career, often it's this kind of mentality. And, and when you have that kind of mentality, it's a very selfish mentality. And this world is very selfish. I mean, that's, that's the reality. That's why we live in this dark world. And, and many times then we don't know what true love looks like until you learn about Jesus Christ. And when you learn about Jesus Christ, you see this kind of love that selflessly is given up. Not when there's this helpless baby. I mean, that's a, you, you talk about unconditional love with a baby that's helpless and what have you. But what about when this is an enemy of yours? Someone who's done you wrong, not a helpless little baby. That's the kind of love that we are taught by Jesus. That's the kind of perfect love, Matthew 5, 48, that we're taught by Jesus and some moms for whatever the reasons are they do not consider others they don't consider like that mom the second mother in first Kings 3 did not consider that I would actually be destroying the relationship between this mother and and this baby of hers by me selfishly wanting to take it for my own because I accidentally killed mine 
if I can just go off topic for just a little bit, that's the key difference between the people of the world and the people who strive to serve the Lord according to Christ. The people of the world, when men from pornography or whatever else, we don't look at this naked woman as someone's daughter, as possibly someone's wife. The men of the world don't look at it from that standpoint, but from a fleshly standpoint to fulfill the flesh. The children of God who love God understand these things, are aware of these things, and, and put that flesh away and seek to glorify God and seek to be respectful to the woman. Huge difference. Coming back to motherhood, when you look at women that have not yet learned to be selfless, but are all selfish, they need the gospel. They need to learn so that they can then be able to raise their children in the way of the Lord. That's what we see. And so many would-be mothers today have children for a variety of self-serving reasons. Hey, I like it because all my friends have them. You know? I like it because I get a good, good check from the government. I've heard these very reasons, brethren. I like it because it gives me some sense of satisfaction versus because I have a someone that I can love, someone that I can raise and hopefully teach them to love God the way God has shown me his love. I mean, what a different way of looking at things. And so even in this dark, worldly place that we live, these women can learn the love of God. God has reached many women and powerfully changed their lives. When you read Ephesians chapter 2, remember, while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, we received his mercy. And as a result, we read verses 8 through 10, and through that mercy, we see that life changing taking place in us so that we become his workmanship, created in his image to glorify him. That's what God does to these women. Think about Rahab. Here is a Gentile who learns about God and learns about his kingdom and comes to know him, and she becomes one in the lineage of Christ. A harlot, a Gentile harlot. You have a Moabite woman by the name of Ruth that learns about a loving relationship through her husband and, and his family, Naomi that is, her mother-in-law, and learns about our loving God and the promises that he has bestowed upon us. And she also becomes a very prominent figure in Scripture. We can read of Mary Magdalene. We can read of passages of women in the New Testament, like Anna, who after seven years of marriage and 84 years old as a widow, that's a long time to be a widow. Decades and serving God. A lot of these women who are changed by the message of God's truth. Some of whom continued on to grow in the Lord, others to come to know the Lord. But you see, they'll continue to reach women who are just like this woman that we can read of. That's who Jesus died for. Not just the woman who had the child alive, but the woman who accidentally killed her, her son. If we understand that, brethren, it helps us to become more compassionate because I venture to say 
we have enough moms that we're trying to reach the gospel to right now just through the jail system alone who fit exactly what I'm talking about. And they need the gospel. Desperately need the gospel. And God has used us as his body of believers, as the church, to build up these women that are now our sisters in Christ. Over 70 of them now. A number of whom are still in jail or have gone on to other penitentiaries. And they need to be encouraged in the way of the Lord so that when they get released, God will have used you to equip them on how they can be good mothers as well as good wives or to be simply godly women for the cause of Christ, if nothing else. The last thing is to the non-moms. I didn't even know that was even a term. I was putting this, I put... I was like, is it N-O-N-N-O-N-E? My, 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 my grammar is not very good. My English is not very good. But, so I went and researched, and so there's a term, non-moms. <laughs> so to the non-moms, I want to say this. Whether you've never been married or you've never birthed a child, but knowing that you have served, knowing that you have sacrificed, knowing that you have a nurturing way about your life in service to others, you can be just like the Apostle Paul, never married, but taught on marriage. And he himself regarded himself in a fatherly figure in one case as a motherly figure. I believe it was the church at Thessalonica. I forget which congregation he wrote to as a nurturing mother would. You have a great capacity. You have an opportunity because you may not have children that affords you time and ability to do what others like, I don't know, Julie, would not be able to do with seven children. <laughs> Sometimes your scope and limitation of focus because of the season of life with how many children you have, it determines what you can or cannot do and what you can and cannot accomplish. And so as a result here, we have a number of non-moms who can serve in the capacity, and that's what I love about our elders. And they could have said, okay, let's take, I don't know, someone who had ten children. And say, okay, you're the one that you can teach this Bible class. And you can... They chose Shirley. And Shirley accepted. And you women have been so blessed by her. And you have blessed her so immensely. And you have encouraged her so immensely. And I know our elders have encouraged her because she told me as much. To be honored to be able to teach. There are many women... that have never tasted motherhood. And I have a passage. That passage I'm going to read, the context is not specific to you, but the family of God, but it has a lot of principle within the passage that I want you to read and be encouraged by. I want you to go to Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul is talking about the free woman and the bond woman. And of course, we want to relate to the, the free woman, right? But look at what he says and what he quotes. And this is a passage that I know would be encouraging for those who have never been able to give birth to a child and to have that relationship that many women are afforded in this world. It is written in verse 27 of Galatians 4, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate 
has many more children than she who has a husband. Did you realize that that passage is the epitome of the gospel? He takes the downtrodden. He takes the poor in spirit. He takes those who are broken. And he gives them all his blessings in Christ Jesus. That's what our God does. And so even to the barren, those of you who have never been able to birth and would love to have had raised your own child in flesh and blood from that standpoint, rejoice. Your reward is coming soon. And realize you have a great opportunity to encourage those who have children. You can remind them when they are very discouraged because, you know, Johnny and Susie is not behaving like they, they want and we get tired and frustrated and going, I wish I didn't have children. You remind them, you should be glad you have children. Why don't you think about that? This lesson is meant to encourage, and I hope I did that. If I didn't, I apologize. <laughs> I want you to really consider the blessing that you have. Whether you are a mother and your family's here, and I see families here because it's Mother's Day, rejoice, take advantage of the opportunity. I want, want you to know, I don't see my mom. She lives in Phoenix. I don't have the opportunity to see her as often. I love her more and more every day, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I love her more now than I did 10 years ago, a lot more now. I'm grateful for what she has done. As I get older, I'm more grateful. And my mom would be the first to tell you, there are times when she was lacking, seriously lacking. The last thing I'm going to say is this. Whether you have a mother or not, whether you are a mother or not, we have a father, the one who desires us longs for us and he gave us someone we can call brother as well as king as well as savior in Jesus Christ he gave us his only begotten son that we can become children of God that we can remain as children of God in his kingdom and if you're not part of that family the family in the household of God I beg you right now I beg you to stop the way you're living. Give your life to the one who died for yours. And brethren, if you've been a part of the family of God, but you've not been living like one, a family member, change. It's humbling, repentance is. But every one of us has to repent at some point. Every single one of us. And God tenderly, like that prodigal son's father, tenderly calls you back to him and waiting for you to return to him. And why not do that right now? Take advantage of the invitation. Let's together we stand and sing.